Well, welcome to Wayfinding, where this is our Bible study turned podcast. This week, we are continuing in John 6. However, first, we have a couple questions. Do y'all just want to choose numbers one through four or just have me go down the list? Four. Okay. Well, (laughs) all right. Let's start with four. Yeah, sure. Let's start with four. Okay. (laughs) What is the importance of becoming a member of the church? I feel like as a younger generation, it really hasn't been explained to us and the importance of becoming a member. Mm. Like a covenant member? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, member. What are your thoughts? I want to I give space for you guys to share. I don't know, bro. You That's don't? That's answer. You don't I, pro- I probably do know, but I can't think of anything. Okay. At the moment. I know. I, oh, this is kind of gray area for me because I could answer. It's like, oh, you're committed to the church. This, I'm not a covenant member myself to this church mm-hmm. you know, because wow. I never gave. Huh? I don't know. I got through a loophole where uh, <laughs> I found some kind of loophole crazy. through it where I didn't, through my interview process, they didn't ask it. Mm. Plus, my old boss was put me straight to work after. Yeah. He didn't yeah. give me an interview process. So. Right. Well, the church membership process, the, the role of church membership is kind of a commitment to this church body, it's really rooted in being able to like identify what church you belong to, identify who you belong with, what group of people you belong like a with. Gang. Kind of, I guess. And <laughs> you know. <laughs> so the the purpose of being a covenant member is we find a lot of people are not committed to a local body of believers. There's a lot of people who don't come week to week. There's a lot of people who don't. And then not to say like these are requirements for being a Christian, but if you want to pursue Christ, like he also challenges us to be in community. And so by your committing, by your commitment to church membership, you are committing yourself to this group of people. Mm-hmm. So it is you taking a greater interest in what is the guidance of the church. What is the how? What's our budget being spent on? What's our church leadership's view on certain things? And you getting to be a part of those conversations. That's why we have our covenant member meetings mm-hmm. where you get to come in and hear what are our policies, what are the things that we're working on this year, what are you know, what we do with our year-end uh, covenant member meetings is we take a look at the year before, what, what, everything that God has done through our congregation, through our, our local body, and what are we looking to do in the future. If we have a direction that we feel God is calling us to, then great. If not, or if we are just like, we want to just keep going with what he gave us this year, whatever it may be, you get to be a part of those meetings by being a covenant member. The point of covenant membership is to show your vested interest in the local body. So... Yeah, I, I I get the argument of 
why do I have to go through a class and why do I need to be a member? It's not like being a member at a gym, you know, you're not, you're not like paying monthly fees or something. <laughs> the heart behind it again is that commitment to the people. You can have that without going through the, the official paperwork, mm -hmm. but it's just an official write up. It's, it's a physical, tangible way of showing to people this is my home. Yeah. Th these are my people. Yeah. I just feel like as a, I don't, for me, like it hasn't been super explained of like what the importance of it is. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that like around, not like going through the generations, like you get 10, the older people, they're like, Oh mm -hmm. yeah. Like they're, most of them are members. And mm -hmm. then you start going down the list of generations. You're like, Oh they, yeah. There's a downward trend. Yeah. Mm hmm. And so I was like, I wonder if membership in churches is going to tend to fall, continue to fall down, or if it's just as we get older, we realize the importance of it, and then we join. Yeah. I think it's – so there has been this trend of people just don't see the value of it mm -hmm. because it's not a gym membership. It's not like – Oh, become a church member and you get, you know, all this kind of stuff. You don't, you know, you get 30% off our church. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, that's not how that works. 5% off tithing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's not how that works either. The, that trend has been around for a little while. <clears throat> so I see it that you can be committed to a church and not have to do church membership. I think the value that the older generations, the reason we see so many older generation people have more of church membership, like a higher church membership rate, it's just because that's where they put their value. They put their value in identifying with a body of believers, a specific body of believers, and having that commitment showing their and and I, I guess even showing their commitment to the cause yeah more than just the younger generation mm -hmm. the younger you go the each generation the younger it goes your commitment to the cause is commitment to the big picture mm -hmm. cause like yeah I'm, I'm committed to jesus cool that's what we want and Go find a local body. Like yeah. it, you need community. You need to be in a body of believers that can carry out the hands and feet of what Jesus would do in this day. All right. Now one through three. Want to choose a number? Let's go backwards. Three. Okay. What are the different types of worship? I know we talked about this a while ago with you, Benny, of like you worship through doing lights mm -hmm. and through doing tech production stuff. Mm -hmm. What are some other types of worship? Everything is worship, no? Yeah. I think everything is worship. You can approach it like that. And it can be. Exactly. Anything anything can be done with worship, with a worshipful heart. Mm-hmm. It's also very easy to just like let things become mundane. Yeah. It's entirely possible and arguments could be made that 
you know, do, do a little self-reflection of does this happen to you on Sundays? Are you singing but not worshiping? Because it's entirely possible for you to come to church and just stand, sing the song, but you're not worshiping God. And it's also entirely possible for someone to not go to church on Sunday, but they actually did worship God because they had their quiet time in the morning. They maybe did sing songs like they had their radio going and they sang alongside. They went through the actions with a worshipful heart versus sometimes we can come to church in our mundane attitude Mm -hmm. of just like, I've had a hard week or it's about to, I'm about to have a hard week or I have to get ready for, for another work week. I have to do this. I have to do that. Oh, my kids did this, my whatever, like all these families. It's, it's often a struggle to get your kids together and get them to church. And you go through all that kind of stuff. And now you're standing in church and it's like, I don't know. I'm just whatever Just say whatever you got to do. Now your attitude is such that you can sing the songs, but you're not worshiping. Mm-hmm. So it's all about your heart, your attitude, your posture of like, am I doing this with a heart focused on Jesus? So how do you worship by cleaning the house? Well, you're being a good steward of what God has blessed you with. You are taking care of your living space. You are getting ready to, let's say you're getting ready to host somebody and you're cleaning up your home because they, they should feel welcomed into your, your space. And so you clean with a posture of, I'm going to glorify God through my efforts of doing this. How do you glorify God through whatever, you know, raking leaves? I think Daniel and Hunter and Colin are probably some of the best examples of worship. I agree. That I can think of because no, they don't get no praise. It all goes unseen. And yet they do it every day and ask nothing of anything, anyone's. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Don't ask to be up front. Don't ask to lead anything that mm-hmm. is seen. And yet it's just as important. Like I was talking to Colin about this the other day. Like he's like, sometimes I just, I feel like defeated. Like, you know, I feel like I do the most out of anyone here. He's like, no one sees it. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> but like, they're the ones that are truly put in the worship. Like that's, I think, I, and it's like, rawest state i don't know though but i think at worship at its rawest state like is unseen probably yeah you know although i do think there is something to be said about like like dancing like david dance you know like there is something to be said about that but uh let's not forget about how when jesus was confronted about how do you pray how do you worship he told them like i'd rather you just go back into your home and worship privately than to come out here and mm-hmm. and sing and dance sure. and do that because the people who were doing that were doing that to say like look at me worship look at how great of a singer i am look at how well, look at how great my dances are and how glorifying it is to jesus and it's like no 
that's not the point. I I really like your point, Nathaniel, of saying Hunter and Collins and Daniel's heart is focused on, yes, I have to rake leaves. Yes, I have to go fix a leaky faucet. A yes, I post. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have to pick up a light post that I got knocked down by 50 mile per hour gust winds. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, hypothetical. Uh, <laughs> Please don't visit the church parking lot. <laughs> uh, but I think of, you know, they spent hours and hours. They spent a f- uh, three days back to back to back putting together the set pieces for our Christmas Eve services. When it was just going to be used for one morning. It was just used for that day. Yeah. And they did it. They did it with excellence. They did it to make sure that it can be moved efficiently, that it could be, that it looks properly done, that it, you know, they, they take the time and consideration. Why? Because it's going to be used for God's glory, going to be used to declare the gospel in some way, shape, or form that is going to be used. And so what is their role? Their role is to make sure that that craftsmanship is done with such care that it glorifies God. And so their heart is one of worship through quote unquote maintenance and facilities. I'm going to change your title to, to worship and praise. Dan's going to be the worship and praise. Worship and praise maintenance assistant. (laughs) (laughs) Get that on a little plaque. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Do you want to go to two now, Nathaniel? I do want to go to two. All right. What is Christian forgiveness and how do we forgive? I'd love to hear you guys answer too. I'd say, man, Christian forgiveness, that's, it's a hard thing to define because you look at forgiveness and true forgiveness is somebody did you wrong and so you accept the fact that everything is okay and that you have no hard feelings towards that person And then I'd say Christian forgiveness is forgiveness that for everybody, not just people that have done you wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to do because there are some instances where it's like, that really made me upset. Mm Mm-hmm. And then being able to forgive that person, like, mm-hmm. is hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think a differentiating factor, too, is the value of forgiveness from a secular perspective and from a Christian perspective. Forgiveness from a secular perspective is... Like you can or can't do it like, or, or you can forgive somebody, but you're also totally fine. If you don't like we, we understand the challenge put upon you when you are a Christian is that you are to forgive Mm -hmm. 
because that like we are called to forgive because of who we follow because of Jesus. And so no matter what has been done, you are to forgive. That's a differentiating factor for me. Daniel, you have thoughts? He says, no, I hold grudges against all of you guys. <laughs> oh, I wasn't going to have a question, but I think you kind of answered it. I was going to ask, what's the de- what is the definition of Christian forgiveness? Uh, Christian forgiveness versus just yeah, forgiveness, uh, big picture. Yeah, because I've never thought about Christian forgiveness. I thought it was just forgiveness. Uh, I've never heard it like that either, honestly. But I'm like, I was wondering, what is Christian forgiveness? Because what's like the definition mm-hmm, of Christian mm-hmm. I so the way I would phrase it, forgiveness is letting go of grudges or anything held against somebody because of something they've done to you. Mm-hmm. That's just like big picture definition. The differentiating factor is the value put on it. As I mentioned, I played Spider-Man 2. It's <laughs> what, the <heck? laughs> what it's, a pivot. <laughs> it's, a, it's an amazing game, right? This isn't the only place I've seen this, but it, this comes to mind, right? So I, I don't want to give away uh, spoilers. But so one of the characters has to go through this, his story arc focuses heavily on him being able to forgive someone that has done him wrong. And in the end, he actually, the the quote that he says is, I can't forgive you right now, but I'm going to work together because we have something greater to accomplish. So the... The reason I bring that up is because that perspective is so interesting that you don't need to you don't need to forgive in order to move forward. I think that's very interesting. It is partially correct from the world's perspective. You don't have to forgive the person in order to be able to like work together with them. It's a lot of growth. However, what I would say is Christian forgiveness is the challenge placed on you to forgive someone no matter what they've done, because the challenge is to forgive others as you have been forgiven. You have been forgiven by God for all the sins that you have committed and will commit. You only, you know how much you have done against him. And let's say, even if you think that you have been an upstanding citizen and you have done nothing wrong, the very baseline of you choosing your own way your your own ideals instead of what God has wanted is a sin. You like you choosing you over God is the root sin. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. 
we chose our way instead of his. That is betrayal. You have completely hurt the one that gave you life. The punishment for turning your back on him is death and separation. And yet he turns to you and forgives you for complete betrayal. You straight up told me, I don't care what you say. I'm doing my own thing. And I'm still going to welcome you in. I'm still going to say that I love you. I'm still going to show you that I love you. Yeah. That ultimate level of forgiveness is what we have been given. And the challenge is now go and do that to others. Yeah. To build off of it, I think there's one story first that comes to mind, mm-hmm. like for all of it. And it's like Jesus, of course, and right. Good Friday. Mm. That's when they say Hosanna. No. Yeah. Palm no, Sunday. Uh, Palm, Palm Sunday. Sunday. Palm Sunday. Yeah, that makes sense. Hosanna. <laughs> right? Let's just say it. Good Friday. Crucify him. Yep. And and then while he's on that cross, like Jesus says, like, he looks at him, or maybe eyes closed, eyes open. I don't know. I don't know what Jesus was doing, bro. But he looks at him and he says, Father, like, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Like, in the face of it all. Yep. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's great. And I think, like, you said, forgive how we've been forgiven. Like, that's how we've been forgiven right there. Like, and we think, oh, I'm, I couldn't be. I wrote like pages on this in a little, this is a little personal, but a little like pages on this and like a little notebook about how there's no difference between me and those people who were yelling like crucify. And yeah. there's no difference between me and those people that were like throwing dice for his clothes and the people that were like spitting on him. Cause there truly isn't like yeah. truly in an eternal like pie chart. There's no difference between me and someone who threw a die to take, Jesus' rope and and like man Jesus the son of God like like looks at us and he says like father forgive them and it's and it's it's one thing that I think I would describe forgiveness as like illogical mm. what we've been called to yeah. not forgiveness being illogical yeah, yeah and not in a way where we're step stepped on or demeaning ourselves or forget who Jesus calls us and who God calls us, but like everything about Jesus, what he did, what he said was illogical. And there's a lot in the Bible that's logic. I think our God is a God of logic, mm-hmm. but like it's illogical when it comes to what the world says, like to forgive it. Right. I don't know. It's crazy. But that's how I define mm-hmm. Christian forgiveness is illogical. We didn't deserve it. And whoever we're forgiven doesn't deserve it either, but that doesn't change nothing. Yep. I like what you said, Nathaniel, about the verse of how, or the story of how we don't deserve forgiveness for anything we've done. But there are still people out there that think that they deserve it. Mm. And... That, is, that wasn't one of my questions that I had on the list, but 
and the big scheme of things, it was, that's one of the hardest things for non-Christians to hear is you don't deserve the forgiveness you're getting. Yeah, that's where it all starts. Though. Like, because even even as a believer, you can't walk. the The devil will keep you shackled down because of your mistakes. If you think that your mistakes mean anything, like, like the mistakes I make in the next week from now doesn't change how much I deserve to be in hell. And it doesn't change how much I don't deserve to be in heaven. And so if I make more mistakes and the devil says, you idiot, why would you do that? And I just like, now not, I'm not talking about the conviction, but I'm talking about the the shame from the devil. If I understand that I was already like dirt and had no eternal worth on my own, like there's no difference. Allowing God to like work in my life has to begin with me realizing that like I'm my eternal worth is nothing without him. So, so if I thought I had worth apart from him, then yes, I'd be like, you idiot, you messed up. And now your worth is like chipped off a little bit. Like, if that makes sense. I don't know if you're following. Keep going. Like, so like the other day I was having a conversation with my little brother and he was just telling me like, sorry, he was just telling me that like, you know, I don't even know what he was talking about. If I'm being honest, like what he was struggling with. He's like, I feel like I keep messing up and like, and the devil keeps like, you mess up so many times that you feel like you're so like, what's the point or anything like that? And I'm like, dude, like there's no difference in where like how God looks at you doesn't, is no, it doesn't matter. Stop thinking about yourself. Like stop feeling bad for yourself because feeling bad for yourself does nothing. Like God loves you and died already. Mm-hmm. So there's no amount of like caring about or like feeling all these emotions, which again, aside from conviction, I'm not talking about conviction, Yeah, but feeling all these emotions about, man, I've been trying so hard and I still messed up. Like, I, it just sounds harsh, but like get over yourself, like get over the amount of times you've tried and just like understand that you're dirt, dirt apart from me, apart from him. I mean, I'm nothing. And you're right. People don't, people feel like they have, like, they deserve something. Mm-hmm. Like, I think during Passion too, like, Louis Giglio was talking about, like, presuppositions we have, mm. that we deserve this and that we we have rights and all this. And I'm, you know, it's going kind of, kind of harsh, of course, whatever, you know, what I'm talking about. But, like, in the eternal scope of things, like, we got nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's not what people want to hear. You're right. But that's where it starts. Because if you don't start there, then how can you go anywhere else? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It has to start from humility. Yeah. Because if you come from a perspective of you deserve it, then you've missed the point. Then you could have been the one to, like, die on the cross. Yeah. And you couldn't. So it's a matter of putting yourself in perspective of who God is. And that positions you in a place where you can understand why the forgiveness is so great. Yeah. It's hard to understand. It's hard for people 
to understand forgiveness if they don't think they did anything wrong. If you see yourself as a good person, then and you think that that's the metric, then you're like, well, of course I should go in. I'm a good person. I'm, you know, I've done this, I've done that, whatever. Like, but the metric isn't that you're a good person. The metric is that you chose you over God at the base level. Are you thinking Nathaniel or is that just your plain face? Yeah, I was thinking, but I was just thinking. About forgiveness. You can think I mean, you can think out free, loud. Feel free to share whatever you'd like. No, forgiveness. That's it. Like forgiveness. That's the whole, that's everything yeah. that we live for, I think. Or that the reason we can live. Mm-hmm. All of it. One more question. What does it mean to be a man of God? Wow. Uh, you got to have a lot of money, bro. Got to go hunting. Just kidding. The joke. Daniel, what does it mean to you? I don't know. Pastor Matt brought up a good point today during our our meeting uh, that we have to be the a pa- pastor of our family. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, that's something I never thought about. I guess I missed the whole series where he went over that. <laughs> the entire series. Not even, not even the message. I missed the series. I, I zoned out for a month there. You know. But yeah, that's something I, I think as a man, we need to be, well, I guess, a pastor of our families. Right now, we need to be a pastor of our lives. So. And just daily be in the Word, daily just praying. And if we're struggling, we need to go to other godly men and stuff, uh, and that kind of stuff. Uh. Yeah. But for me, I, Pastor Matt actually came up with a great point. I, we need to be pastors. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an excellent answer. What do you guys think? What are some aspects, even if you don't give like a, a complete answer? What you got, Dylan? I'd say for me... I tend to pick out traits that I see in people, mm-hmm. especially in like the fatherly figures that I see. Yeah. And a big person that I see, like, I don't want to say like doing great because I don't want to put him on like a super, super high pedestal, but like Armando is very good. Pause. I saw a picture today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do y'all know this, this picture? No. Okay. What? Now you're going to have to explain. I, I, see, cool. I saw a, a picture of, pic- of what? A of questionable Armando? picture of Armando. Not questionable in like a bad way, like a funny way. That, no, actually that, that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I've seen a lot of pictures a lot of today. Funny pictures. Today? Not a, not a, just, just like Armando. generally speaking. You generally speaking, see a lot of like pictures. maybe like. Who showed it to you? Was it was Daniel. Not other, not um, me. <laughs> okay, keep going. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have brought it up. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you just hear his testimony and you see the way he acts and not acts, the way he interacts with students mm-hmm. and the openness he has for them. Mm-hmm. And I see that big because that's something we're called to do for everybody is serve the Lord. And he is serving the Lord so, so well in students. Mm -hmm. 
you can just see the lives that he impacts with students and just putting that all together. It's, it's like, wow, like he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I'd say another aspect I see a lot is not being afraid to show love. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like as men, like, especially I want to say Southern men, but men living in mostly rural, not rural areas, not highly populated areas of San Antonio. We tend to have this act of, we don't need to show love because we're tough. Mm. And I feel like that carries over in some areas. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, a lot of people I I see have completely just gotten rid of that. They show love to not just their families, but to everybody else. Mm-hmm. What would you add to I'm that? I'm going to start crying. You're going to start crying? Yep. To show I have emotions. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to bring up something and I'm like, I mean, no, we can hold space for it. You know? uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a broad question, right? What does it mean to be a godly man? Yeah. What does it mean question? to be a man of God? Man of God. So I'm just asking like, what, what traits do you see as some of the traits? Well, I'll say like what my goals are for the year. Cause okay. I hope my goals lead to a godly. Cause like I realized, okay, this is a little bit side tangent, but I'll make it less than a minute. Okay. I was trying to, I'm trying to figure out, cause he was always like, you know, I, we had a good talk, just like a checkup kind of how the internship's going. Mm-hmm. And I was like, teach me everything, bro. And then he was like, well, you have to let me know, like, I'll do my best, but you let me know what you want to learn. Like, let me know and I'll let you do it and I'll teach you and all this. Like, what's your desire? And I think one of the things that hit me was like, I want to make sure that ministry doesn't become anything a part of my identity at all. Like, hmm. it's... I want to, the best way, it's like, I think about it like for for parents, the best thing they can do for their kids is love each other. Not put the the kids before the wife or the, yeah. before the husband. The best thing they can do is love each other. So when it's in ministry, the best thing I can do is get my walk right with God. Not that it's wrong, but get it better. And so like, in order for me to better be prepared to interact with middle schoolers, interact with high schoolers, to lead a life group, to preach, it's to simply become a better man of God. So that is where my goals, vision, purpose for this year, I feel like came from. Mm. And it's like a few things. I think it's like Isaiah 12. I don't have to memorize. But that's like that chapter is like my verses for the year. And that one is kind of just like prayer. It's like a prayer more. It's like give thanks mm. to God and like make his deeds known, all that. Mm. But it's also like other goals are like pursue like an undistracted like devotion to God mm. like like be anxious to like do the things that please God that is like an interesting like way of and it's a verse I don't know where the verse is I forgot it's not maybe in Psalms I don't know but like be anxious to like find things that please God like be excited mm. and I don't know that's what are like more like not individual specific necessarily but just in everything I do like have a an eternal mindset and love God first, really, you know, got a lot of things going on, got work, got school, 
looking for a girl, you know, anyone out there in between 20 in the wayfinding audience that <laughs> you love the Lord, hit me up. Amen. <laughs> but like, first and foremost, like pursue God, love God. I think that's it. And I think you can tell the difference. Like that's a result. Armando, I mean, I've never, I've never really talked to him much or spend much time with him. Yeah. But like, that's a result I imagine of him, like loving God first, mm-hmm. you know, it's not that I agree. he, he, of course he loves the the students he works with. And of course he cares about the student team at Central, but like it comes from a love, love for God. And so that's, that's it. That's first, I think love for God and everything else comes with love God. Sounds easier said than that, but like. Well, it it sounds simple. It it's not easy. Yeah, like it is as simple as like pursue God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but like there's so much that goes into that. Yeah, the qualities to me that come to mind. One of the first the the first one that comes to mind is humility, Mm -hmm. because. It is humbling yourself in submission to what God would have for you. So you have to pursue, to to be a man of God, it means you are not focused on what you want. You are focused on what God would have for you and what God has you here for. Like what is your role in a particular person's life or what is your role in a given moment, in a given area, in a given whatever. So humility and submission come to mind. I really like the point of, uh, Dylan, you brought up not, uh, how did you word it? Like showing love, being willing to show love because there is a lot of like, be a man. You're like, you, you know, mm-hmm. you, you don't have to show emotion yeah. or whatever, you know, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm a man. <laughs> I'm a man. I don't cry. Never. No, like, <laughs> buy a Ford truck. Huh? You know, I think so many times we feel like real men don't cry. They don't. But the, the strongest men I've seen yeah. are the ones that are like weeping for the yeah. most righteous of cause. Mm hmm. They're the ones broken before God's throne, pleading and weeping for the sake of their families, for the sake of their loved ones, for the sake of their friends who are struggling. They are the, 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 the men of God I look to are the ones who exemplify Christ in their day-to-day life. So reading the word praying with praying with God, having quiet time with him. I think of my dad and every single morning when I wake up, I, I, I get ready and I know where he sits because he just has his spot at the table. But I also know that every single morning he makes his coffee and everything, but as he sits down and amongst other things like he he'll grab his phone, he'll check whatever text or whatever he has coming in, make sure everything's okay with clients. And, Mm -hmm. but one of the things inevitably is he is looking up the passage to read that day and he reads it in English and he reads it in Hungarian. So he can understand it in both his language and he can understand it in a way that we understand it. Wow. And so 
he sits there and sometimes he'll like, there are some mornings where he'll say like, Oh, you know, the, the verse of the day that I read was, was this. And he'll just, he, he loves to share like, what are the things that he's learning? What are the things that God is speaking to him? Those, those I think are the biggest things to me are just the, the focus on God focus on his word time with him displaying qualities that he has called us to showing forgiveness showing love those are the qualities of a man of god yeah it's yeah it's without like saying it too yes like yeah showing cuz i think of like in my opinion so i got a few top men in my life mm-hmm. right um but he tops them all maybe i told you all about my my economic my economics teacher mm-hmm. have i his name is dr bracy so. never no i don't think so no way he told us about the gay doctor. <laughs> <laughs> no this one was awesome he was my my senior year economics teacher i had him for one year it's the only time i knew him his name was dr ronald bracy he was a I don't want to miss say the war. Would would it make sense that a World War II vet? No, it wouldn't make sense. He was some sort of vet. Okay. Vietnam. Yeah, no, World War II. That's too long ago, right? Too long. But he was really old, like really old. Like I, I was worried. It might have been Vietnam. It was. I was worried as he went upstairs. Oh, like oh gosh. <laughs> okay. Um. So but he, yeah, he was real high up in the ranks. Like he. Gotcha. He was at the Pentagon when nine eleven happened. And when that when that plane like flew into the Pentagon, he was there, and he had pastored a church. He he was a baseball coach. He coached a little league team to the World Series, little league World Series, wow. when he was like in Europe or something. He was a pastor of a church. He like basically anything that anyone was interested. He probably had a story about how hmm. he conquered. And I knew him for a year. That was the year COVID, the year after COVID, and there was just something about him, like. He was just a little like old and a little weird in a little way, like like almost like like too nice, you know. Like he, <laughs> if someone like got COVID, like you know, he would call you up and say, "Hey, I grabbed your books without and like I got into your locker somehow, <laughs> and I grabbed your books. And I'm taking them to your house. How he got your address wow. again? I don't know." And he's like, "My wife made dinner, and we'll bring you guys dinner." Wow! And then the next day. He would call and he'd say, I don't got books, but I got dinner again. And his wife, <laughs> his wife would make dinner and he'd bring dinner. And he was at like, he was, I was starting point guard of the basketball team and he was at more games than I was. I don't know what happened. And just all these crazy things. And like before, at like the last week of school, like he cried to us saying like, he he loved us. We were just like children to him. Like mm. he had lost his son in when he was serving. His son was mm. serving and yeah, he lost him. He said he went into a dark time. He shared his whole testimony and that God like revealed to him that, you know, I you had once you lost one son, but I've given you there's like a verse that says a hundredfold or something like that. Mm. And so that's when he became like a teacher. Is like he started pouring into students and all this. And he just like that year was like so he poured everything out into us. And then in the summer I heard that he got COVID. And so I texted him, like he was in the hospital. I texted him, said, Dr. Bracey, you know, I hope you're doing well, blah, 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 blah. And then he texted me back, right? And he texted me this like 
this whole like sermon about how in like it's a text too like this long text about how in suffering you know that we have hope and mm. he was like i just preached on this one sunday and god likes to to prepare you before you get tested and all this and that wow. but then he gets out and suddenly that's awesome and i'm excited and then about two weeks after i hear he gets out i hear that he passes that like mm. it came back and the thing that was most crazy is that me and my my buddy, he called me. He's like, did you hear Dr. Bracey died? And I was like, yeah, dude, it's sad and all this and that. We start talking about, you know, what he did for us that year. I've never told you all this story. You just, I think, no, it's coming to mind. It's coming to mind? Yeah. I haven't Never? No. Yeah. And, and we start talking about it and we come to this conclusion and we're like, just, we talk about how he, he lived that year. You know, he didn't miss a beat. He was older, 60 years older than us. Yeah. And he was just all over the place, loving us. Even like on our final, he let us, he let us ask, <laughs> he let us ask anyone in the room any question we wanted to. <laughs> oh. For the test. <laughs> yeah. For like a minute, he's guy. like, you have one minute. Go. Go. <laughs> And what a blessing, you know, that was a blessing. <laughs> yeah. And we're, and we come to this conclusion that, that, that God had told him, like, maybe not that he had it when he was going to die or anything, but like, he only had a little bit left. Sure. Right. And so God kind of gave him a little like nudge, like, you know, just give it all. You know, this is, who know I, you don't know. It just, I'm just kind of giving you a nudge, like, give it all. And we came to that conclusion and then we got off the phone and stuff like that. And then I was sitting there at my desk and I like heard God. I kind of hate it when people say they hear God because that makes it sound kind of weird. But I heard God. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, God didn't call me a dummy, but this is how I, how I uh, interpret, (laughs) interpreted it. He was like, dummy, I didn't tell Dr. Bracey that he was going to die. Like, I don't do that normally. You know, that's uh-huh. not a thing that God does. He was like, he just knew how to live. Mm. Like he just knew how to love. He knew how to love. You know, he he did it through his words. He did it through his actions. He did it through teaching. He did it through showing up. He did it through all of it. Mm-hmm. Like through all of it. Mm. And I'm sad that it took me like him dying for me to realize but like he is the great, he literally convinced me the, because of the way he lived. He literally convinced me that he, that I, that he thought he knew he was going to die. So like if someone looks at like my life in the past year and they're like, wow, he gave it all. Like every, every single day he loved people and all that. Like he knew he was going to die. Like they, he must've known this last week was like his last week. So that mm-hmm. last week he gave it all. He literally convinced me of that. But he was just living like we're called to live, you yeah. know? And it's just crazy. Like, I want to... That's crazy. The fact that someone convinced me that they knew they were going to die, <laughs> you know? Just because of how amazing this man was and how, how like, he was just pouring out, pouring out. Like, yeah. he had gained so much in the however long he lived. I don't know, 80-something. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, bro. He'd go up the stairs, like, all hunched over. I'm like, bro, <laughs> we have an elevator. <laughs> we have an elevator. Um... And he had gained so much. And so at that point, he was just like letting it all out. Like all the love he had, mm. he knew that that's how God, he knew how to live. And I think, man, like he's a, he will be like one of the greatest men. And he, I only knew him for 
not even a full year. And he will be one of the greatest men that I think I'll ever encounter on this earth. Wow. And he and his his legacy, like, like I'll tell that story till I die, mm-hmm. I think. And I plan on telling it to hundreds of students, hundreds of people somewhere, somehow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's like the mark of like a godly man, I think, you know, is that I don't probably I don't even have to say his name, but he can still have an impact on people and how to live. Right. Because yeah. That's crazy. It only took a few months, but I, I won't forget. I won't forget him ever. Yeah. I went long, sorry. No, no, no. Thank you. But I did t- I have told you that story, right? Yeah, you told me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a guy. What a guy. <laughs> what a guy. There'll be a story like that about you one day, Benny. I'll be like telling other people, well, I knew this guy named Benny Mate. He knew how to take videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, what is happening? <laughs> Are we locking in? All right. Yeah. Let's go into John chapter six. Last week, we left off with Jesus' epic mic drop moment. He just, I mean, the dude just goes off in John five. It's incredible. It Everything. It's yeah, oh, it was incredible in John chapter five, John six, we're going to hit some very popular stories. We did touch on a part of John six a couple weeks ago. We mentioned, I I brought up a, a part of it. So we'll be able to circle back to this, to this once we hit it, but it's just at the end. So let's go through and go section by section here. Starting at John chapter 6, verse 1. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went, because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. And then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that going to do? What good is that with such a huge crowd? Tell them, tell everyone to sit down. I'm about to just like say this story. (laughs) I'm reading this, but my brain's not even reading it. Uh, Verse 10, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men along, the men alone numbered about 5,000. And then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. When Jesus saw that everyone was ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. So, 
Very familiar story. Jesus feeding the 5,000. What stands out to you in that story just now as we read it? Him feeding 5,000 people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm pretty hungry right now too. I mean. <laughs> I'd say for me a big one is the ability to test Philip. Mm. Because Jesus knew what he was going to do at the end. Yeah. He was just like, I'm bored at this point. I'm just going to mess with this guy. <laughs> I don't know. I feel for Philip. I can't hate on him. No. Yeah, yeah I don't think you could. Yeah. That would be me. <laughs> Dude, I'm serious. Because you'd be like, how are we going to do this? And I'm like, well, Lord. It looks, I'm a real. It looks I'm pretty a- impossible to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I don't know what to tell you. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel bad. I love to think that like Jesus at this point, he knows full well yeah. like what everything is happening. He goes, man, I'm about to pull off something incredible here. But he wants to see you like experience it. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's why he asks, like he asks Philip, how are we going to feed these guys? And Philip's is like, Man, we if, a good question. if, if we got to yeah. feed these people, we got to work for months just yeah. to, you know. Lord, if you don't know, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you think, yeah, interesting. Do you think he, he asks us that, he asks us questions like that now? Like we go to him with whatever. I think we, so. We, we're going in our walk. Yeah. And we see something in front of us, right? And we haven't asked a question yet. Or we haven't even realized the need yet. Yeah. And Jesus says, like, or God says, like. What do you think about this? I think so. You think so? Yeah. A, a, a lot of my quiet times, I feel I get to questions of just like, this is a question that I already know, but I want you to think it. I want you to think it through. I see. I see. I see. That's cool. That's cool. A couple of weeks ago, we were, and so just earlier, we were talking to Chris, the worship leader. For those listening. That's my guy. Uh, we were talking to Chris and I asked him if he's listened to the podcast or seen any of the clips. And he said, yeah, I saw the one where you asked the question, was it our fault that Jesus had to do miracles? And the question stemmed from a passage in John 4 where Jesus asked, will you not believe in me unless you be- perform uh, – sorry, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Oh, so, and and this happened live on the podcast of me just sitting here processing through where, what would it look like if Jesus never did miracles? Is it our fault? Is it because of our inability to believe that Jesus had to do miracles or was it all, was it Jesus's plan all along? His plan. Was, was that, I mean, obviously it was God's plan. I mean, he's sovereign over everything. Right. So like, but to answer your question, Nathaniel, all of that was a thought exercise. Yeah. Yeah. All of that was just for, for us to, to gain to our own, to like, gain an understanding, there. to work through it. Yeah. Do we know, like from the very beginning, I probably could have given you the exact same answer. Is it our fault that Jesus had to perform miracles? No. Jesus was called here to do miracles. At the end of the entire thought, I'm technically in the same space. 
but I've now thought through the process deeply. Yeah. And so I think God does call us to those moments at times. I think he does challenge us to question like, why, even your question, why do you think you should be a church member? Like reflecting on that, why should you be a part of a local community? You reflecting on that and working through it is more important than you just knowing the answer. So I think he does ask us these questions so that we can do it. We can work through the process. That's good. It is good. Daniel? Oh, unless you had something. No, no, no. Yeah. No, I do you have anything to add? No, I didn't have anything to add. I like it. Sorry. I heard a message about this sermon. What was it about? And it caused quite a stir on the interwebs because the whole message was, it was spoken at Transformation Church and it was about the feeding of the 5,000 spoken by Tim Ross. And he speaks a message about God's provision and how it is coming in his timing. And it was all about like generosity. And he uses this message to share how Jesus is here to take your little amount and multiply it over and over. And the beauty of how when Jesus multiplied it, he, the disciples get to hand it out. So it's, it's elaborated in in another gospel, (coughs) excuse me. It's elaborated in another gospel that they asked all the people to circle up into groups of 12 and then they would distribute the, the food as like, first the disciples had to tell the the crowds, Hey, group up into groups of however many people we're going to figure this out. And then they come back to Jesus and then Jesus sits down with them and multiplies over the bread and the disciples get to take the blessing out to everybody. And so that was the second part of the message is that when Jesus multiplies over, he gives it into your hands so that you can bless other people and bless families to, to come, right? So you are given, again, this, this message was on generosity. And so you are given your finances in order to be a blessing to others. It multiplies over so that you can bless others. The, the last point was this was 5,000 men, not even including the women and children that were there to listen. This was so thousands of people that were here to listen to this message. They're sitting in this field. And as they pass out the food, they're having to like feed a group and then come back to Jesus to get refilled (laughs) and then go and then feed another group. Like they didn't like, like these guys, the, the people, at the front got fed first. And then eventually the people at the back were like, man, when are we getting our food? It's coming. Don't worry. And so the, the last thing that Tim Ross talked about was, and this was part of it where he like this caught people's attention is because he turned it into a full song saying the bread is coming. And so the whole transformation worship team like came back up and they turned it into a song and they had a whole spiritual moment celebrating that God's promises are coming. 
just wait. You see God's promises being handed out to others. It is coming to you. You stay faithful in your in your spot. They're waiting for him, right? So the heart behind the message was on generosity and waiting for God's blessing using this passage to illustrate it. The reason it gained notoriety, the reason this message gained notoriety is because at the very end of the message, Tim Ross gets up and he's been spending the entire time talking about how we are to be generous. And people in celebration of this, especially in this moment of the bread is coming, they started doing the making it rain, <laughs> like, like I'm trying to action. I'm trying to like describe to our, the to emote. the audio listeners. Yeah. The emote for, <laughs> for making it rain. Right. Everyone started doing that. Knowing the culture of the people that are there, Tim Ross felt led to make this specific connection. He says, God is blessing us. God blesses us. We don't make it rain on all these things that don't deserve it. Specifically, quote, he says, we don't make it rain on booty cheeks. We only make it rain on the one who provides for us. We don't worship any stripper. The only stripper we worship is the one who took off glory to be with us and to come die on the cross. Wow. So he takes this illustration of something that their culture is familiar with. A lot of people knowing the, them, knowing their demographic, a lot of them are involved in a world in which they know what, <laughs> what you do at stripper clubs, at strip clubs. <laughs> Clearly. What? No. So he uses this illustration of like, Hey, you are taking these blessings and you are actually making it rain on things that are not deserving of it. Instead, choose to use your finances to praise and glorify the one who deserves it. The internet got all up in arms because he called Jesus a stripper. Yeah. Seems all right to me. Not, I, <laughs> not like that, but... No, no, no. I... I, when, because I listened to the whole message, I get it. Yeah. And I know Tim, I know, like, Michael, I know their style. I'm yeah. like, this is what they do. Yeah. Like, this is, it's just how they're, it's just how they do their church. Like, it, it's different. It's not traditional style. It will yeah. offset some people. What you said made sense. Uh -huh. It sounds it's a little bit out there, but what, what, the, it makes sense. The presentation of it is different than what we would normally take it mm -hmm. for our culture. Yeah, it spoke to people there. Yeah, I think it makes. Sense. And the heart of the message is something that we can all apply. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I think it's cool. Well, because like, yeah. What were you gonna say? Go no, first. Just, no, no, no. Go first. Sure. Go first. You go first. Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on. So if you have a finishing. No. Thought. Yeah. Well, because like I preached on this not too long ago, and like my what stood out to me was like the the one 
verse 9. He doesn't even have a name. But it, this one says, what does your say? Mine is kind of a weird word. There is a young boy. <laughs> yep. It was about the young boy the whole time. Yeah? Yeah. Because, like, in my head, that's us. Mm. The young boy is us. Because, like, a story came to mind, like, back in the day, you know, <laughs> I was like a track star back in ah. high school. You know, what can I say? What he's can a I runner. Say? He's a track star. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I did run track. And I remember that I was a freshman and I was like, okay, now this, I'm not joking. I wish I was joking. <laughs> I wish I was. Okay. But my freshman year, I ran track. I made it to state in two races. Amazing. And they were, they called me, you know what they called me? The, <laughs> they called me the freshman phenom. Okay. They thought, they thought I was like, Bound Insane. to do something. Yeah. yeah. I never did. But, um, you ran those two races and that was it. Yeah. But there was one practice that for whatever reason I was feeling good, right? You know what? As you say this, remember when you went to the 5K? Uh-huh. Megan was telling me, like, when you showed up, I'm like, you weren't gonna run it first. And then you went to sign up, and I turned to her, and I'm like, oh, Nathaniel's signing up. Yeah. And she goes, He's fast. Yeah. And then, like, your yeah. reputation <laughs> proceeds me. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. But there was one day I was feeling good and we were running 200s at the end of practice. Everything we got. We usually don't, you know, when you do something, it's usually they tell you like go 50%, mm. go 60%, go 70. You don't ever really hit 90 or 100. Mm. You never hit that in practice. Unless you're running for who's going to, like, yeah, you don't ever hit yeah, that yeah. practice. But for some reason, I was just feeling it that day. <laughs> and we had one more 200. Coach says the last one. And I want you guys to get everything you got. Everything you got. Mm-hmm. And so this 200, I didn't set the story up right. Let me, let's go back a little bit. Oh, <laughs> Before practice, I get out of school. My dad picks me up. And I get Chick-fil-A. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> I get a lemonade. I get a spicy chicken sandwich. <laughs> oh, that's Some a mistake. fries. That's a Throw that in there. But I've run this last 200 and I I literally beat everyone in this. Every, I'm in the fast heat, whatever. Yeah. I'm with the fast people. Okay. I beat all the seniors. I beat all the juniors. And I literally, at least in my head, there wasn't real no, like no one told me I won. <laughs> I beat everyone, right? And I'm feeling good about myself. And then next thing you know, I'm like a little lightheaded. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so we have our cool down where you do like stretches uh-huh. and you walk on your tiptoes and you know, all that fun stuff. And so during the cool down, I find myself just like laying on the floor. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh no. Spread out, looking up to the sky. <laughs> oh no. And I'm like, wow, this is what it feels like to be on top. I don't like it. <laughs> And so I get through the end of practice, but right after practice, I don't even make it to, I'm still on the inside of the track and I just, there's my, my lemonade again. Oh no. <laughs> She's out there. My lemonade and my, my fries practically still intact. <laughs> right. And so, so I throw up or whatever. Sorry. And then my dad gets off the car and my, my coach, uh, awesome coach, coach keys, Played like in the NFL mm. and they're just like, you know, letting me do my thing, but they're talking, they're chit-chatting over there, just kind of watching me arms crossed, you know? <laughs> and so in my head, I'm thinking, man, like I'm about to get a little good effort today. 
we could tell that you gave it all. Mm. We could tell that you put it out. You left it all out on the track. You left it all out. Yeah, you did. And I'm thinking, and I'm like, you know, at least I'll get that. Like, they'll see my, my hard work. And so I finally, I was, I was, on, all, I was on my knees. I was on all fours throwing up. <laughs> and so finally I get up and I walk over to them. And my dad doesn't say anything. And my coach looks at me. He looks at my dad. And all he says, he'll be all right. Yeah. And they walk away. And they walk away. Oh my I, had, I had given coach everything that I had. And all he said was, he'll be all right. <laughs> but the, the difference between when this, this kid gave Jesus everything that he had, the, the likelihood that this kid was working, that this kid these whatever five loaves and two fishes or whatever mm-hmm. it was, was all he had to eat that day. His mom packed it for him this morning and said, have a good day, honey. You yeah, know? Yeah. And he took it out and the likelihood that that's all he had. And he saw 5,000 people. First he saw a group and then he pushed his way to the front, saw Jesus. And then one of the disciples saw this little boy with some fish and he grabbed him real quick and was like, this kid has food. And he was like, what? <laughs> right? He was like, I don't even know what's going on. I'm trying to go to work. And he, he willingly gave Jesus all he had, even though when he looked at it and realized what was happening, he was like, okay, we're going we're gonna to feed 5,000 people with my two loaves of fish and my two loaves of bread and my three fish or whatever it was. Five loaves, two five, fish. Five loaves of bread and two fish. He's like, that doesn't make any sense, but I'll give it to you anyways, Jesus. You know? And mm-hmm. so like some of us think we only have... It could be less than what he had. Right. Some of us think, man, God, I only have one fish and one loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with that? There's 5,000 people out there. What are you going to do with that? Yeah. And like, that's me. It's like, man, God, we're all alive. So I like to think nobody, somebody has one fish or one loaf of bread, metaphorically. You yes. know, we all have something yes. that we're even holding on to that's ours. That's, oh, God, you don't understand. I need this to live. This is how I'm right. going to get through the day. Right. I need this. Um, but what he does with it is like literally 5,000 times, you know, it's, we get, we're getting into like eternal math, just kind of like what he was saying, yeah. you know, like we think when we put money in somewhere, oh, it's, I'm going to double my money. I'm going to do a sports bet and I'm going to double my money. Mm-hmm. Right. God takes it farther. Like he says, yeah. doesn't say 10 times, doesn't say a hundred times, thousands of times, you know, like that's, that type of thing is, doesn't happen on this earth, you know, mm-hmm. um, and all it takes is for us to like. Give, be willing to what, give what we consider our, but it's just all. It's all. Yeah, that's what that's what matters. It's all of his, however many fish, however many loaves of bread you think you have. It's all of it that you have to give over to Jesus. And so, like that, is like who I focus on. Was this boy that doesn't have a name, you know? And I was again, I talked long, but that was that was what I got out of it, and it stuck nice. with me for a while. Nice. Yes, yeah, gonna be like off topic, but oh, it's gonna be no, part great. of it. What did the kid do with all the fish afterwards? Because I know they had lots of leftovers. Uh, the kid technically his. The, well, the kid didn't keep them. He just you, took his five fish, or no, five loaves and he one probably just fish. took. Scraps. Oh, he ate good that day, bro. He ate good. He ate good. He, he probably just took enough that he needed, and he didn't go to work. On. He called in. He sat down. He ate and listened to Jesus. <laughs> That's what I think happened. And I just like going to work. Like, where were you? Ah, I was watching a miracle. No big deal. Uh, you know, <laughs> God just, you know, fed 5,000 with my fish and my loaf of bread. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> that was my lunch. <laughs> Imagine being like the last group and just like, 
I saw this kid that had like five loaves of bread and two or, and two fish. How are how are they still feeding people? What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do wonder. How do you think that happened? You think like to the physical eye? You think that he broke the bread and he passed it off, and next thing you know, when he went to break the bread again, it was full, and he just and then it was full, <laughs> or like I'm like genuinely, what do we think happened here? We don't know. We don't know. Really? Or like you think he... I think... So it might have been something like the basket was full, right? And then as you keep like handing... Because you're not like... You're not leaving a basket at the group, right? You're taking the basket and you're just like giving them like, mm-hmm. okay, here, like here's a scrap of fish. Here's a scrap of bread. Like here's a, here's a few scraps for you. Here's a few scraps for you. And as you keep just handing out... You don't even realize it, but this thing like keeps just filling. Like, Do you think the, the people basket knew? never they gets know, empty. The right. basket never empties. That's good. Do you think it was like half loaves or like? Like I picture it like Jesus just, took sh- the bro- sh- Jesus took the bread, took the fish, and as they cut it, as they cut the fish into maybe little parts or something, that's how they handed it to people, and I think everyone just got scraps. And so that's how you never notice yeah. that it just kept multiplying. You just say, you get a bread, and you get a bread, mm-hmm. and you get a bread. <laughs> the Chosen depicts this. Really? So. I've never seen it. You know. You should watch This it. is a hot take, but I don't know if I'm that big of a fan. But you haven't seen it. I've seen like <laughs> snippets and episodes and it never caught me. You haven't Maybe seen Maybe I like wasn't being a good Christian at that point or something. <laughs> I'm serious, though. It never it's can, caught my attention. We can watch it together, and we'll cry. Do we'll you think together. so? I don't know. There it's are never parts of the show I can't watch without crying. Date night. I want to. I'm down. But I'm saying, like, I've tried. We got to watch but it. But you just said you didn't watch it. You just I've, watched I've watched, excerpts. like, episodes. Yeah. Like, like I tried to do... I can't lie. I was in a Bible study. Yeah. And we were going through The Chosen, and I stopped going because I was like, this is not what mm. I'm looking for. Okay. Well, not yours, not yours. This is a different one, not yours. That's not the reason I wasn't going. I'm sure I would have gone, but it was different. Well, I would encourage you to try it. I want to, or maybe not. I don't know, but okay. I, I, I'm I, just saying. I think you would like it because I was always against it because I didn't want to watch it because my sister loved it and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> just out of spite. I don't have a reason like that. But it was like, also, I was like, I don't want to watch the Bible. That's just. It sounds cool. But it's like. It also, but maybe I, I don't think I like the idea of it. Does I that make sense? No. For me, it like, gave me a lot yeah. more, sen- like more of an idea picture. Huh? Because I was, we were watching and going over it. And I'm like, oh, I understand that more. I can see where they're coming from more. Mm-hmm. They even have more questions. Like we, Benny, me grab lunch the next day, and I asked him more questions about it because I actually understood. That's kind of it. It gives you a visual representation of what happens in scripture, and they stick very close to what happens. Yeah, in scripture. I think my initial reaction is like we should, but this is not that there's any like actual like real whatever. Uh-huh. But like you telling me that you're gonna put the Bible into like a production like that and like. I don't know. Yeah. And make a lot of money, I'm sure. I don't know how they do the money, but I know I'm sure it makes no, money. No, the whole project is self-funded. So it makes no money. You're telling me that the hundreds of thousands of people have probably watched it. Tens of thousands. I don't know. Millions. And it's made no money. Millions. 
the whole so what I mean by it's self-funded is nobody would green light this project. Yeah. yeah. And they didn't want to involve a producer because yeah. anytime you involve Hollywood, they want to change it. Yeah. And so they're like, we only want to produce this if we can produce it honoring God's word. Yeah. And so they are only taking donations. Like they take donations from people yeah. to be able to make the rest of the series. Yeah. yeah. It's a self-funded I see. Uh, crowdfunded series. Yeah. I think I'd be up for it. You should watch it. I'll watch it. I'm going to Benny's house to watch it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's l- let's continue on to uh, John 6, 16. That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Man, these guys really just dipped. <laughs> like, wow, I guess Jesus isn't coming. We're leaving. It's like having that sibling that you're waiting on. And it's just like, I've been in the car for five minutes. They still haven't come out. I guess I'll just go. Yeah, but it's Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you did that to F from one day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were waiting for him and he just left. Oh, my yeah, God. Because I was sitting outside his house for 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. I'm like, church is about to start. I called him. I texted him. Me? No, no, no. no. And I was like, okay, oh, I, was like, what? <laughs> like, I guess I'll just go because I haven't heard anything from him. And then in the middle of service, I get, sorry, I fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow. All right. So they headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them, don't be afraid. I am here. Then they were eager to let him in the boat and immediately they arrived at their destination. Not going to lie. I'm sorry. This like skipped an entire portion of this story. Yeah. Well, where's Peter? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the disciples did write their own versions of of it. Uh Oh. Yeah. Like, Maybe John didn't want to give Peter like the. That's true. John yeah, John like, little, constantly writes about how slow Peter is. But. Yeah, <laughs> he was a little jealous <laughs> that he was the one walking on the water, so he just. Like, <laughs> it. That's what I would do, you know. Oh my gosh! Just kidding. <laughs> well, <laughs> Jesus walks on the water and meets them. They were eager to let him in the boat, and immediately they arrived at their destination. I remember hearing somebody talk about this, and they're like. So Jesus stepped onto the boat and they teleported. And I was like, hmm. Interesting. I mean, it could have happened, but <laughs> I kind of imagine it like the, a map and it, it kind of just shows you. What, the path they went? The path they went, but it's like in the middle they stop and they're arguing or something and they keep going. You know? <laughs> it's, possible, it's possible the storm just like push them all the way over and then like like super fast yeah and then by the time like jesus gets like there one? they're like and suddenly we were at our destination you know? i mean a blue lamp pole over <laughs> <laughs> all right let's continue on so who's starting 22 to 31 okay <clears throat> <clears throat> the next day the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there, and 
and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed there, landed near the place where the people have eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they they got into the boats and went to Capernaum and searched for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get there here? Jesus answered, Verily truly, I tell you, you you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for, for food that spoils, but for food that endures eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works of God? God's requires. Jesus answers, The works of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What what signs then will you give that we will we may see it and believe you? And what will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as is written. He gave them bread from the heavens to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, said, always gives us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You've passed away past where I was. <laughs> but it's fine. You did great. I was locked in. I didn't even realize. Yeah. I mean, it didn't, well. all right. So, um, Dylan, keep going from 36. Still to 52, we said. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> but I told you that I have seen me and still do not believe. Everyone whom the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will never send away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. Now this will be the will of the one who sent me, that I should not give loose one, that I should not give loose one person of everyone he has given me, but raise them all up for at last. At the last day, for this will be the will of my Father. For everyone who looks at the Son and believes in him will to have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. My brain almost went into a completely different verse while reading that. <laughs> almost went on autopilot. Then the Jews who were hostile to Jesus began complaining about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And the, they said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus replied, do not complain about me to one another. <coughs> no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophet and the prophets. And they will all be taught by God. Everyone who hears and learns from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. I tell you the solemn truth. The one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. 
your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven and so that a person may eat from it and not die. I am living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats from this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for life of my flesh. I'm going. You want to go? 52 to, to all the way to 70. <laughs> to finish it off. <laughs> <laughs> Then he looked so upset. <laughs> <laughs> Where do I stop? Actually, 60? You can go 59. 59? Yeah, and then I'll take 60. Yeah, okay. Or unless you want to... You know. I was just kidding. 52? <laughs> yes. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man... And drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks of my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said in these thi- he said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. So before we go to the last section, I think you have a question, but I also want to pose the question to you of the same as last time. What stands out to you about what Jesus is saying and what is happening? I don't know, just not like knowing Jesus or anything back then. Mm-hmm. And you're just li- you passing by or something and listening. Oh, eat my flesh. Drink my blood. And I'm like, I was, I'm like thinking, yeah. Back, back then they would think he was like crazy. Yeah. I think right now they would think he's crazy too. <laughs> In church history, some secular groups thought that Christians were vampires because all we talked about was drinking blood. That's actually like in church history. So how vampires came around because of that? No. So there was vampires. The vampires before? existed. Like the story of the vampires existed. before Jesus. No. Oh. But there's then actual vampires. There, home skillet. <laughs> Dracula was a person. I thought it was a baby. Yeah, I, I didn't know that either. Who's, who's going to tell him that Santa doesn't exist? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so Dracula... Santa does exist. ...is real and Santa's not. Is that what we're saying? Technically, they've both existed at some point. Oh, Santa's yeah. technically real. St. Nicholas, huh? So is Dracula. But he wasn't a real... Vampire. Yeah. Sorry, you got off on me. Okay. Yes. It would have come across weird. He is speaking very heavily into his illustration because he wants them to understand like the sim mm. symbolism of what he's doing. It also speaks into what he hasn't done yet. He hasn't yet had the Last Supper, but here you can already see that he's saying drink of my blood, eat of my flesh, the same symbolism that he sets up in the Lord's Supper, in the Last Supper, where he says, take this bread, this is my flesh. 
this, this wine, this is my blood that is poured out for you. And so here is kind of like the first time he's telling people about like, guys, this is what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to drink my blood, eat my flesh. Like you're going to have to take part in this, but it's, it's symbolism. He just hasn't caught it yet. People haven't caught it yet. What he's trying to stress with the whole drinking, with with the whole eating flesh thing is long, he, okay. Jesus twice references the story of them being given manna. Manna was food given from heaven and it was very plain. It was not like great, but it was provision in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. The people here think back to that and they're like, well, Moses gave us this manna when we were wandering in the wilderness. Jesus says it was not Moses. It was God who provided the bread for you then. It was God who provided the manna for you then. And now he provides for you bread. You are listening to me. Let's go to the top. He says, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understand the miraculous signs. He's saying, you are coming after me because I provide for you in physical ways. You don't even see what I'm doing with the miraculous signs. So he's saying, guys, I gave you bread, but I have a living bread that is going to feed you for eternity. In the same way that he told the woman at the well, get this water for me. But I have living water and she didn't fully understand at first. Same thing. He's saying, I gave you bread, but I have living. I am the living bread. And that bread is going to sustain you for eternity. That's what he's trying to convey to them. Across this whole messaging is just. How can he's trying to paint the picture for you to understand how to come to him, why he will be the everlasting, sustainable fix for the the problems you have, the hunger you have in life. Your only fulfillment that will last comes through him. Thoughts? Anything to add? I thought Nathaniel was thinking. Nathaniel looked like he was thinking. I'm always thinking. I know. <laughs> no, I don't have nothing though. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> any any other questions or thoughts on this this passage? A verse particularly stands out or anything like that? Why does Jesus say the bread of life? Why did he choose bread? So on one level. It's because it's like a basic need of existence. Everybody has it. Everybody has it. It's a way that he can convey it to everyone. He's like, I'm like bread that you use every single day that you use right now that we just fed 5,000 people. This is the same crowd. So he's like the, the bread you just consumed. I am the bread of life. That was just bread to fill you for the moment. And now you're coming back. I am the bread of life. There is also 
a tie to Bethlehem. The tr- the translation of Bethlehem is like Bet is with or within, and then Lehem is right something bread. So Bethlehem translates to something relating to bread. And because of that, he like we we theorize here that it's like the connection also to like Jesus is the bread of life born in the place like this whole time he's been painting this picture and he used the same same thing all along. I'm looking up what is Bethlehem translation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look up Bethlehem Hebrew. Bread. House of the House bread. of Bread. That's what That sounds like a rush. That's going to that's going to be like my student ministry name. The House of Bread. House of bread. <laughs> <laughs> like an International House of Pancakes, but House uh, of Bread. HOP. IHOP. Just hop. <laughs> uh, you're too late to a church name. Huh? Dang. House of Bread. That's mm. dumb. whatever (laughs) I totally switch up and it's a restaurant (laughs) that makes sense alright I'm interested unless you got something but you're you're really excited I was gonna uh, just tack on of like I got to eat in Bethlehem we went to a restaurant in Bethlehem you were in they were very nice they were very kind they made us this like all in one I don't know what they called it it's like an upside down meal. What? Because you take a big old pot and you put everything in it and you bake it mm. in the pot. I'm so hungry. And then they come over to your table and they just like plop the pot upside down and then they onto get your table. And they tap it. They well yeah, and then they lift it up. Well, no, no, no. They they lift up the pot and your mm. whole meal just like Oh false, God. and then you just help yourself to however much you want. How did they tell at the bottom of it's done? It's done. So good. <laughs> you don't even know what's in it. I don't know. You just know that it's a meal in a pot. They were making Nathaniel hungry. You know? Sounds good. Uh, but yeah, anyway. I was, when I was did good. you go to Bethlehem? 2020. Cool. I want to go. Next time you go, can you let me know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lehem? <laughs> Ah, that was bad (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah so I'm really excited about this part your excitement is making me excited I'm excited about God's word are you guys excited no it's okay we're excited (laughs) I'm excited Nathaniel okay verse 60 many of his disciples said this is very hard to understand how can anyone accept it Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining and so he said to them does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing, and the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. And then he said, that is why I said to that people can't come to me unless the father gives them to me. Mm. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And then Jesus turned to the 12 and he asked, are you going, are you also going to leave? And Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? 
You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus said, I chose the 12 of you, but one, but one is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the 12 who would later betray him. So this is the passage we read a couple weeks ago. This is the response to everything Jesus just explained. Jesus is constantly here preaching on this is the key. I am the key. I am the bread of life. I am the way that you can gain eternal life. It is by following me. And he says, so let's just take the last section here. From 53, Jesus says again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise that person in the last day for my flesh is true flood. No, true food. And my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. So he here outlines I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate manna, but will live forever. He outlines here, I am the living bread. You take part in what I have to offer and you will have eternal life. He here gives the most clear declaration of the gospel and the clear declaration of who he is. And his disciples turn to him and say, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? And Jesus seemingly, uh, like, I'm saying here, like, Jesus is still heated. Like, he is still in this moment of, like, if only you could understand. If only you could understand what I'm saying. Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the son of man ascend to heaven again? The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. The very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. And that is why I said that some people, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted. Throughout the scriptures, it's important to note here that throughout the scriptures, Jesus, sorry, it is important to note that as you read the scriptures, when it says Jesus and his disciples, sometimes will mean a very large crowd that has committed to following Jesus. 12 plus crowd. More than just the, the 12 disciples that we, like the famous 12 disciples, more than that, he had a crowd constantly following him. So here, that crowd now listened to Jesus's entire message. They have seen him do miracles. They have seen him feed 5,000 people, go across the lake. They saw where he went. They're like, oh, he's over there. They hustled <laughs> over to Capernaum to meet Jesus again. And from there, he tells them this incredible message. 
and they can't accept it. Because they, it says here, they turned and deserted him. Jesus turns then to the 12. So the giant crowd that he fed, gone. The crowd of his disciples, gone. The 12 sitting there. He says, so are you leaving too? And Peter replies, where would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. I just love this because it shows you the difficult nature of following Jesus. Jesus constantly met people's physical need. I'm, I, I keep thinking of in verse 26, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. These people are following him because of what he's done for them. He's done miraculous signs. He's fed them with incredible amounts of food. He's providing them with such wisdom, such knowledge But then when he tries to connect everything and say, hey, this is what's required. You have to come and follow me. You have to stop. Hold on. What is where is the direct reference here? But he's he's trying to call people to something beyond what they know. So many people can't take that last step of committing to follow God, follow Jesus, despite there being things that they don't understand. Despite there being things that they just don't even comprehend of like, I've even, I've heard you say the words, I don't understand what you mean, but I know that what you are saying is filled with the spirit I know that what you are saying is of the spirit. That last step is so, so difficult for people. Mm-hmm. And seeing the yes. faith of the 12, just look at each other and say, where, where else would we go? We spoke to this passage because we were talking about how people come up with their own religions or, or turn to different things. This is that answer. There are plenty of places to get bread. There's only one place to get the bread of life. Dang. That's good. Next time I go through like some confusing life, Mm -hmm. be like, where else would I go? You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? That's exactly. How often do we find ourselves in situations where we're brought in like we are in a storm we are in confusion we are in whatever season of life that we're walking through (laughs) we walk through these trials how often is our response where else am i gonna go that almost is like a it's like a 
not defeat, like admission to defeat, but it's almost like it's surrender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it is. You 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 even like want to go somewhere else a little bit. You know, as far as like right. you tried and or or you've seen other people or you thought about it. And you're just like nothing compares. Even even in the worst moment. Yes. Nothing compares. Exactly. That's good. That is the last step. And I can't take credit for anything I was about to say after. Mr. Ben Stewart, Pastor Ben Stewart. I listened to a sermon. It was at Passion 2, mm-hmm. but he preached it before Passion on, on Mark chapter 4, where Jesus does the parable of the sower. Mm. And then after he says the parable of the sower about throwing the, the yeah. seeds and all that, after it says that the disciples come to him and ask, what does it mean? Yeah. <laughs> like even the disciples yeah. didn't know. And so I guess no one knew. And that's where like Ben is like, this is where Jesus separates his followers, mm-hmm. the people that were there to do dif- two different groups. He's like, everyone didn't understand. But there was one group that didn't understand and walked away. And there was another group that didn't understand and pursued God. And it's like, that's like the difference. The last step that you're talking about. Right yeah. There. Like, you know, like, and then he goes on to say in this where he's about to give him the king, the, the keys to the kingdom, the secret of the kingdom mm-hmm. is literally where that, that it's like that final pursuit of God is that that's where you find like the secrets of the kingdom. And it's like, yeah, it's good. It just reminded me of that when you were talking yeah, about this. No, that's really good. Benny, I have a question. Okay. So Judah was the one who left the 12 disciples, correct? Judas, yeah. Okay. I wouldn't say he left. It was more like... Uh, out. Oh. <laughs> but yes, sorry. Why did Jesus, I guess, take him in would be the proper term, if he knew what was going to happen? Well, my first answer is to fulfill, like, it does say, like, in the Old Testament that he will be traded over for, like, silver and stuff like yeah. that. But I don't know what the deeper answer is. So it does ultimately come to that where, like, he knew it had to be one of the 12. And he knew who it was the whole time. Knowing even Jesus knowing that you are going to betray him doesn't change how much he loves you. Judas was welcomed to come and be a follower of Christ. Judas learned the same messages, the same, the same trainings that they got of like, Hey, this is, you know, we're going to be preaching about the kingdom of God. We're going to go out. We're going to baptize. We're going to go out. We're going to whatever. Like we'll read later of how the disciples were sent out in groups of two to like different areas and keep the message spreading. Judas was welcome to do that. Judas did that. There's a lot there that can be unraveled of like lessons you can learn from Judas being one of the disciples. Yeah. Jesus still loved him. And that's why he wanted, that's why he couldn't turn him away. Mm -hmm. 
it had to happen. Judas still had a role to play, even beyond just his betrayal. Yeah. Judas had Judas also went out and baptized people. Judas also went out and told people that Jesus was the way. So the message there, I mean, you, you can learn that like even people that would fall away are still able to proclaim the gospel at, at times. I mean, I have, I have friends that I grew up with in high school that we went on mission trips. They shared the gospel and now they're not Christians because of whatever reasons they've come to. But they were never Christians. Well, they chose to like, yeah. Or you say, are yeah, you they chose to Christians they, and they fall away. Yeah. They chose to, but they're like, still going to have abandon their faith. I'm just, I don't but like, well, you so. can't make that judgment. So yeah. they were never, I see. So like, can you give me one answer? One word answer. Is he in heaven? Just give me like a yes or no. What? Judas? Yeah. Ooh, uh, yes or no? Ooh, that's a excellent question. I thought you were talking about Benny's friend. Like, no, I'm like, my friend's not, still alive. Because <laughs> in my head, this is where I'm going with it. And honestly, my maybe it changes after what you think, not just you, but in general, if you give me something crazy. But I feel like we think there's a disconnect between us and Judah. I mean, Judas. And there's not. There's absolutely, in my opinion, I don't know. Like, I could be swayed on this easily because if you're telling me that he does not in heaven, then there's probably a disconnect. <laughs> <laughs> but like... He put Jesus on the cross. I put Jesus on the cross. He put it for 30 pieces of silver, which is an embarrassingly low amount for the king of the world. And I do it for even less, mm. you know? So like, I feel like we think, oh, Judas, terrible. No, bro. In my opinion, I'm no different than Judas. If he's in heaven. If he's not, then there's a slight difference. Because <laughs> <laughs> I plan on being in heaven. I, I think the heart behind that, that message, that point, I agree with. Mm -hmm. I don't know though. That's why there's. I, well, I mean, I don't think anyone knows. I guess like, that's true. the whole thing. That's it's so like hard. Judas. But is the reason to believe that he is Judas completely betrayed Jesus and turned him in to oh, be. But it had to be done. So someone. Well, go ahead. Judas completely betrayed Jesus and turned him in to be crucified. Yep. To your point, I've so did we. Yep. So in, there's a reason that you could believe that he is in heaven. I it's like not. Yeah. Yeah. It's not unforgivable. Yeah. Ooh, that's still a hard question though. And notice that Judas tried to make up for what he's done. He gave it back. He gave the silver back. But he was so overcome with the decision that he made that he eventually drew to the wilderness. We don't know a solid answer. Yeah. But arguments could be made that he is still... What just happened? Yeah, I was going to... I pointed at it. Oh, still going. That's Hello? Weird. Okay, we're, yeah, we're still good. Bet. Nobody knows for sure. Of course. But arguments could be made that he is still 
in heaven with Jesus to this day because he could have repented of what he did deeply and chosen to follow. Don't people also say he's like the son of the devil? I haven't heard that. But he he has to be. The son of the devil? No, no, sorry. 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 I've just heard it before. In heaven, in heaven. I'm sorry. That he was the son of the devil. I haven't heard that. We could go back and talk about how Jesus says that you won't come to me unless the father leads me to you. Because, okay, that's how I got there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Whatever you don't say. That's how I got here because he, I'm saying he has to be or be able to go to heaven because then that means that there was a human being that was just other than Jesus. That was just like, ooh, like predetermined to like, of course, prophecy says he would be betrayed, blah, 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 fulfill prophecy. So it had to happen. Mm -hmm. So that means that he, if he couldn't, go to heaven, then he had to go to hell. And I don't think that's true. Is that, is that, you know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. In order for things to be fulfilled, for God's word to be true. He some, had to betray him. Somebody had to betray Jesus. So and that person had to go to hell. But they would have been in this, in this line of thought, they would have been predestined to be but that's not, sent to hell. I don't believe that's how it is. So I don't I'm not saying he's well. in heaven, but he had to have had some, a chance Yes. And so then I got to the other thing where God only, the whoever comes to Jesus is only only brought to by God, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I kind of connected to because it also was a predetermination, mm-hmm. but that's a whole nother. Was that answer your question maybe? Sorry. What was your of question? Like, we'll go back to your question. What was it? I don't even remember. We've been all over the place. The... Why did Jesus allow Judas to come with him? Oh, yeah. Something like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I just circle to like, it doesn't matter what you've done or what you will do. Jesus holds space for you Mm -hmm. and Jesus loves you and wants you to come follow him. Yeah. And that ties back into forgiveness. I think he has to be in heaven because then it all falls apart. Right? Yeah. If he is in heaven, imagine how awkward that interaction had to be. Like, hey, I know I kind of ratted you out for you to die. <laughs> My bad, dog. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. I love that. <laughs> Judas. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> My bad. Knock, knock. <laughs> G- Judas is up there first, right? <laughs> and then the other disciples come, like, at, over time as they're, like, martyred. <laughs> and so <laughs> they all get up there. And they're like, Jesus. <laughs> they, they look, Jesus. Then they turn. Judah? What are you doing here? What? Who let him in? Yeah. And Jesus right. is like, I did. Why? <laughs> Were you not there? Were you not there? That's pretty awesome. It was him. Do you not remember? No. Do you need me re- remind you real quick? <laughs> are you confused? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty fun. Yeah. I would say I would say he would be. Because I think the message there is that Jesus loves loves us regardless of what he what we do he holds space for us to to be there in pursuit of him also think about it if it wasn't judas it would have been somebody else 
Yes. There. Yes. So there has to be a disciple to betray Jesus. And so we know it as to be Judas. Yeah. If Judas didn't do it, there would have been a 12th disciple. So why Judas? There would have been a 12th disciple other than Judas. Judas is the one that just just was chosen. chosen. Hence the TV show. It's good. What TV show? The Chosen. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. (laughs) Well, this was a great study. This was like, this was thorough i mean this was i mean it's a long chapter so Mm -hmm. 71 verses 71 verses next week we continue in john chapter 7 and continue to follow this journey that jesus goes on in his ministry but i appreciate you guys being here nathaniel i appreciate you tuning in um anytime see you in a few person (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) all right yeah we'll see how your your schedule works out yeah, maybe. This time around. I'm going online, so. Yeah. Who knows? But thank you guys, gents. Thank you guys for being here. For everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you guys tuning in every single week. And we would love for you to leave a review about this podcast. This is the one thing we ask of. We, we're just looking for feedback for, for anything. If you have any questions for us to, to talk about as well, that would also be welcome. And... We look forward to seeing you guys next week as we continue finding the way. Mm